The LA Clippers closed out their month of December and their 2023 with a win, their second straight win. This one coming against the Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant and without Kawhi Leonard, and they still got it done. Big performances from Avicii Zubats, James Harden, Paul George in the second half, and Russell Westbrook continuing to play at a high level off the bench. Going to be talking about the way the Clippers close the month and the year on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri, born and raised in L.A. and in my 19th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where a video of the experience at Friday night's game will be out on Saturday night. And Locked On Clippers is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where I want you to let me know How you felt about the Clippers year of 2023 as a whole, give it a grade, you know, like A through F, the whole year. So that's kind of encompassing two seasons, so I know that's kind of an annoying question, but you can also comment anything else as well. Clippers, Memphis Grizzlies, their second game of the season, the first one obviously being in James Harden's home debut, and that was a complete disaster of a game, and now we are a totally different team, 16 out of the last 21 games have been wins for us. 11-2 and two in the month. 19-12 and 12 on the season. And after this 117-106 win over the Grizzlies at Staples Center, the Clippers are 13-4 and four at home this season. That's great. You know, Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, really becoming a fortress right now for the Clippers, taking care of home court. Shout out to the Clipper fans and all the fans in the arena on Friday night. It was our fifth straight sellout. So we had two in a row with that weren't uh, sellouts, but now five straight. So keep up the momentum, people. Let's keep getting to the games. Atmosphere's been good. And the Clippers got the win. Let's talk about how they got it. Starting with Zoo and Crew. And what I mean by that is our bigs. Now, I talked about the game plan going into the game against Memphis on the Friday episode. And I said I would be tempted because of the Grizzlies' lack of three-point shooting to just blitz John Morant and make Bismack Biombo when he screens, make decisions in the short roll, and then let him kick it out to open shooters, not Desmond Bain, preferably, that haven't been shooting well. And concede Jaron Jackson Jr. pick and pops, no problem. Well, you know what the Clippers did? They conceded Jaron Jackson Jr. pick and pops, no problem. But they still stayed with their drop scheme with Tyson Zoo. And I thought they both did a really solid job. Ivica Zubats has been so great protecting the rim this season. And mainly in these last, I want to say, 15 to 20 games, really. He's been at such a high level doing that grabbing basically every rebound in sight and finishing around the basket, finishing lobs, which James Harden has really given him more of since his addition to the team. And Daniel Tice, I thought he came in and did a pretty good job. And again, one thing we've seen consistently with Tice is that the Clippers 
are honestly not afraid to use him as a switch everything kind of big. Switch one through five. And there was a couple of possessions where he was guarding Ja Morant on the perimeter and Ja settled for three. There was one time Ja Morant had he had Ty switched on him and Harden switched on him and he settled for a three both times. So you're absolutely giving the Clippers defense what we want. And we did actually still funnel the ball to their open shooters, but it was through drop coverage. So Zoo would just have no problem coming forward and taking away Jaw's ability to line drive to the basket or his airspace to get a running start to jump. And whoever was guarding one of the shooters would rotate and tag the roller or the big, which was Biombo, for not that much time, by the way. They played Biombo for only eight minutes of the whole game, and they went with small ball Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five. And if you were paying attention to Team USA this summer, you would know that Jaron Jackson Jr. had a serious problem rebounding the basketball for Team USA. And if you look at the rebound battle in this game, 33-54 to 54 in favor of the Clippers. 54! You are not going to win a basketball game, losing the, especially on the road, losing the rebound battle by over 21. I mean, that's just not going to cut it at all. <laughs> at all. Ivica Zubats had 20 rebounds on his own. 15 and 20 for Big Zoo. Six offensive rebounds, a block, and he was 7 for 8 from the field, 1 for 1 from the line. 15 and 20. One of his best games of the season. I'm tempted to say he was the player of the game, but I'm actually going to go with somebody else. But I thought Zoo was fantastic. Most fans I talked to after the game said that Zubats was their player of the game. He was doing a good job finishing, good job screening, rebounding, giving us second possessions. I mean, the Grizzlies, they were too small, and I know why they took Biombo out. They wanted to get more spacing on the court, have kind of a five-out scheme. But none of these guys are really convincing anybody from three. The Clippers were totally okay conceding these shots. And it was funny because Memphis actually started up 8-2 to two because Jaron Jackson Jr. made two threes to begin the game. But other than that, the law of averages ended up paying off for us, and the Grizzlies cooled down, and they ended up finishing the game shooting 13 for 40 from three, just 32.5%. Clippers didn't shoot particularly well from three either, 11 for 39, which was 28%. So we actually shot worse than Memphis, but we shot better from the field, 49% for the Clips. And 44% for Memphis, and we shot the same amount of shots, 87. Clippers just made five more of those and ended up winning by 11, so that checks out. And then free throws, we shot five more than Memphis. They were 17 for 20, so solid percentage there. Clippers were 20 for 25, so continuing to shoot pretty well from the line. No player besides James Harden, weirdly, missed more than one free throw for the Clips. He was six for eight from the line. But, yeah, overall... 117 to 106 win for the Clips. Daniel Tice, I thought he was doing a pretty good job finishing. He only played 13 minutes though, had five points, two rebounds, and two blocks. But I like his activity, you know, just he always plays hard. He's always fighting for loose balls. And his ability to switch gives us a little bit of flexibility there. He's shown that he can hold his own to a degree on the perimeter. He shot two for three in the game, his only miss being a three. He was one for two from the line in his 13 minutes. Of the nine rotation players for the Clippers, he played the least. Uh, Kobe Brown, the second least, and I really liked the way he played. I thought it was one of his better games, especially in the first half. He knocked down an open right wing three from a Russ post-up. 
and then he got a pickpocket, went all the way and scored, and had a buzzer beater at the end of the first. And what I thought was really interesting about this game is that the Clippers had a buzzer beater every quarter. We had Kobe Brown at the end of the first. We had Russ passing to Terrence Mann on a baseline cut at the end of the second. And then we had an amazing double-clutch three-ball in the corner from Paul George to end the third. So really good stuff at the end of quarters from the Clippers. And I think overall, as a performance, it was a pretty good win. Now, granted, I want to say this. John Morant was sick in the Dallas, I'm sorry, in the Denver game the night before. The Grizzlies were on a back-to-back, and they completely looked it. They did not have as much energy as the Clippers. They did not scare me at any point. John Morant had minimal explosion relative to what he normally has. Usually, John Morant is relentless going to the basket. And I have to say, you've got to give Terrence Mann, Amir Coffey, and Zubats credit. You know, for taking that stuff away, the Clippers as a, as a team credit for having multiple bodies around Jaw, which made it so that you're leaving guys open for three. So of course, Jaw, being the good passer that he is, is going to find those guys. But they weren't really making shots. I mean, let's read some of them. You had Marcus Smart four for eleven, John Morant zero for seven from three. I don't understand why he shoots so many threes. We're going to go under the screen on him all the time, which is obviously part of it. But sometimes he's in isolation and he's settling for threes. That tells me that he's not 100%. And he was going to the tunnel multiple times during the game. Looked like he was just breathing heavy. So he clearly wasn't 100%. And then when you play a back-to-back after Denver, that's a real thing. Especially if you think about it, you're playing arguably the two best teams in the West right now with the Denver Nuggets and the Clippers. I know the Timberwolves and the Thunder are playing fantastic ball. But I think come playoff time, Clippers and the Nuggets will be the two most Fear teams alongside maybe the Lakers and and maybe Phoenix is they can get their act together, but they shouldn't be. Minnesota and and OKC should be right there in the mix as far as when you compare them to teams like that. But the Clippers, I don't think Minnesota and OKC down the line with a healthy Kawhi. That's really what it all comes down to. And James Harden as your third scoring option, I don't think they match up, quite frankly, with the super team like the Clips. And coming up, going to be talking more about James Harden and why me saying it's a super team seems more reasonable by the day gonna be talking about that coming up i gotta tell you a little something about prize picks prize picks is the best daily fantasy sports platform in north america and here's how it works all you got to do is pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with basketball season and football season going on simultaneously, you can now pick combo projections across both sports from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections. So for example, you can take Matt Stafford passing yards more or less. I'd prefer you to take more since I'm a Rams fan. And you could take Stephen Curry or let's let's go with Zion, playing the Lakers uh, on Sunday. Zion Williamson, more points. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy on your entries. Even if a player gets hurt, you can still have a replacement. So that's awesome. It's like an insurance policy, and you don't get that in fantasy very often. Just go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, Clippers winning this one 117 to 106 at the Staples Center. 
Two straight wins after two consecutive losses. Those losses against OKC and the Celtics being the only losses of the month. And I have to say, now we're 2-2 two and two without Kawhi. 4-2 and two overall without Paul George and Kawhi. And that's why you bring in a James Harden. That's where I always said that I understand that logic when it comes to getting him is during the regular season when we don't have one of those two guys, he's as good as it comes for raising the floor in a regular season game. And you saw all of that in this game. In my opinion, James Harden was the player of the game. People were saying zoo to me. But I'm being honest. And again, people say what they have to say about my opinion of Harden, but I see what's going on in the basketball court. 16 points, 4 rebounds, 13 assists, 3 blocks. I didn't even feel like 3 blocks. felt like 2. But... I thought he had a shaky defensive start. He was involved in some miscommunications and got scored on a couple of times. But overall, he was solid as the game went on. But the offense was really what stood out for me. 16 points, 4 rebounds, 13 assists. He did have 5 turnovers, though, and the Clippers as a team had 17 of them. So he did make some bad passes. Actually, 18 of them. But overall, I thought his playmaking in the pick and roll was sublime. Like... The double drags are all all getting good shots. And when, if you don't know what that means, that's when you have two screens, one set by a guy that's going to pop, and then Zubats immediately after, or a big man immediately after, will set a screen, and then you roll. It's in one fluid motion. And so you have basically two options. And then when guys sink on those, you have those corner shooters. And, and Harden, he's seen that stuff his whole career. He's so expert at making the right reads and the amount of open lobs zoo and tice have gotten because harden is a threat with that floater and you have to go over the screen because you have to respect his jump shot that's been absolutely lights out since he become a clipper but he really has been a great shooter his entire career so i'm not gonna slight him and say it's just a clipper thing but because he gets that kind of respect you now have so much more effectiveness in those kind of actions and he makes all the right reads i mean sometimes i'm at the games and i'm like man that pass isn't going through but it does and that's when you know you have a great passer on your hands when you think a pass isn't going to go through, and it does. And I've had those moments both with Westbrook and Harden, but probably a little bit more with Harden. As I've said, best passer we've had, best pick-and-roll pa- uh, player we've had since CP3. And so James, he was cooking. He hit a couple shots early. I know his, his three ball was cooling down as the game went on, but he also just continues to look quicker than he did last season. And maybe maybe that's just me talking about the playoffs. If you're a Harden fanboy, Stan, which I know there are plenty of, they seem to say, though, that he's moving a little bit quicker than last season, too. But let me know in the comments. It's obviously not pre-hamstring injury 2021 MVP candidate. Can't, get, can't be guarded by anybody type of deal. But besides Marcus Smart on Friday night, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, these guys weren't able to switch on to him. And as the game went on, you know, at first you saw the Grizzlies in a hedge and recover scheme on Harden where they were sending their big out and then rotating. But we were getting solid looks in terms of open shooters. And I think Terrence Mann and Russell Westbrook do a really good job of cutting. So it's not just shooters around the perimeter. And we're getting some easy baskets. Especially when you put our bigs in that four-on-three situation. Having a guy that's running to the rim makes it a little bit easier. As opposed to kicking it out to the corner. When these big men, a lot of them aren't used to putting the ball on the floor and kicking it out behind them essentially. As opposed to a forward pass to a baseline cutter. So I think that makes their life easier, having Terrence and Russ be those kind of players. But in the beginning, they started with a hedge on Harden and high drop on Paul George. Um, Paul George in the first half was disappointing. He got a couple of wide-open looks from James Harden in double-dragon and pick-and-roll sets, and he was missing. 
So then I figured maybe it's a rhythm thing. Maybe he needs a little ISO. He gets the ball in an ISO, and they're sagging off our non-shooters. And in that, you know, that means Terrence, that means Russ, Zoo, like double, triple teaming him. And he was eager to score because he knows, you know, without Kawhi, he needs to get going. And he shot a contested turnaround that got blocked. And this was in the first half. He started one for 11, but I love to see it. Very similar to the Hornets game. He started to get going, and he ended up eight for 21. So from one for 11, he went seven for 10 the rest of the way. So he turned up. And I thought his defense, while non-existent in the, I wouldn't say non-existent, but very quiet in the first half, was much better in the second half. Bodying up and sliding with guys one-on-one and forcing some misses and just being more active towards loose balls. So Paul George, the third quarter, he really turned up. He had 12 points, including the rare Paul George back cut. Back cut. Absolutely huge. So, and he had a dunk off of it, just like he did when he had that 360. Remember, Paul George said, I don't do back cuts, I don't back cut. And he doesn't. He really doesn't. But there was so much open space on that left side and a dime by Harden. Nice bounce pass leading him right in stride for that dunk. So great to see that. Great third quarter for Paul George, pulling up in transition. It's just, it's very interesting with Paul George. He needs such a specific diet of shots. He can play with anybody because his shot diet is so diverse, but it's almost like he needs a perfect mix of on-ball shots where he's creating them for himself and catch and shoot. It can't be so far in one direction because he either is just not efficient enough as a number one getting the ball so much or as a spot-up shooter, he goes cold. So you need a nice mix, which is not, he's not the only player that you have that with, but he's just so inconsistent shooting the ball. And a lot of times it's because he gets the polar opposite whistle of a James Harden or Norman Powell. He gets absolutely nothing, not to mention he's not as quick as he once was. So he doesn't get easy baskets. He's discouraged to go to the basket because of injuries and fouls. So he settles for jumpers because he's so good at them. And then he shoots himself out of a rhythm. And it's always long jumpers too. It's almost like he has no go-to moves. It's like he's too broad in his, in his arsenal. Whereas Kawhi Leonard... He's, he knows his bread and butter. He catches the ball 15 feet and in. He takes a couple of dribbles and he shoots. He's a mid-range guy. He prefers the mid-range. Off the dribble threes for Kawhi usually come in rhythm or when he's feeling it. But he gets a lot of catch and shoot. When he's looking for his ISO, it's more inside the arc, trying to get to spots within 15 feet. That's his bread and butter. What is Paul George's bread and butter? He doesn't have anything. He has so much diversity. I always say he has more of a diverse shot profile than Kawhi. But honestly, it makes it seem like he, he doesn't even know what to do sometimes. Like, oh, we should get him more mid-post touches. Oh, he doesn't shoot enough threes. It's like he's so diverse. I wish he had some go-to stuff that he can really get to. But he's – I mean, he still did his thing. He finished this game with 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and a steal. He did have 4 turnovers, which was too much. 8 for 21 from the field. Only 2 for 8 from 3. As I said, those two came in the third quarter. Five for six from the line in 36 minutes. The thing is, Clippers outscored the Grizzlies 33-25 in the first quarter. Harden was uber aggressive in the first. He had 11 points, so he really set the tone. I thought Terrence did a solid job on Jaw, and he was a little bit more aggressive too. He had four points, uh, both inside the arc uh, in that first quarter. And in the second quarter, the Grizzlies actually outscored us 29-26. to we had a 15-point lead at one point, and they brought it back. Uh, uh, and then we only entered halftime up 59-54. So they were able to close in on it. 
We got some solid minutes from Norm, uh, Norm throughout the game. He finished with 13 points and 6 rebounds. Only one turnover, 5 for 12 from the field, 1 for 4 from 3. So as you can see, besides Amir Coffey, who was 3 for 4 from deep, and Russell Westbrook, who was 2 for 4 from deep, nobody else really had a good game from 3. And let's talk about Russell Westbrook. Another electric game from an efficiency perspective, an energy perspective, solid defense, amazing rebounding. The second effort, I mean, Terrence Mann got an offensive rebound. Paul George got an offensive rebound. Zubats got multiple offensive rebounds. Amir got an offensive rebound. Russ got one. So, like, we just dominated the glass. And our rebounding from the guard position between Harden, Terrence, and Russ is really, really good. Russ, 14 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists in this game on 6 for 9 shooting and 2 for 4 from 3. So, despite not getting to the foul line, this man had 14, 6, and 6 in 20 minutes on 66% shooting and 50 from 3. Yeah, Russell Westbrook. Only critique I have. Fourth quarter, three of his four turnovers came in that one. We had seven turnovers in the fourth, and what looked like a dead and buried game when we outscored the Grizzlies in the third, 35-21, was put back in question, and we had to put James Harden back in the game. And I wanted him to rest for the rest of the game because in the end, James Harden played 44 minutes. That's a lot. That's a lot, and part of that is because the lineup of Norm, Paul, Russ, Tyson, Kobe Brown to start the fourth were turning the ball over too much. Russ had that fake shot pass that Zubats turned his head, and he expected him to shoot, and it went off his head. So we were up 19 going into the fourth, and by the time Harden came back in, we were only up by 11. So they went on a... Let's see, it was... 75, 94. So they went on a 11 to 2 run with Harden out of the game. And then they continued their run. They cut it down to 90, 98. But funny enough, I was very confident. And one thing they tried to do on Harden throughout the game was they ended up trying to switch one through five, and Harden was exposing that and making the right play. So then in the fourth quarter, they started blitzing him a lot, just making sure the ball was out of his hands. And now we have four on three situations, and guys like Russ, Zoo, were taking advantage of these things. So. That's the gravity of James Harden and what he can bring to the table. Coming up, though, going to be talking more about the game overall and Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey specifically, the homegrown guys. Talking about them coming up. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And right now, the Clippers championship odds are really solid. So go place your bets on FanDuel for the Clippers to win it all. Why not? The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and continue doing your thing on FanDuel for the NBA and NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. Clippers winning this one, 117-106. Definitely their most impressive non-Kawhi Leonard win. And I think despite the Grizzlies' offense not being very good, I thought our defense was pretty solid as a team. And that starts a lot of times with Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey. Terrence Mann was guarding Ja a lot. Amir Coffey was guarding Desmond Bain a lot. Obviously, the Clippers are going to switch one through four. And Paul George was guarding Jaron Jackson, and he was doing a solid job. 
But how about Amir Coffey's ball denial on Desmond Bain? I mean, Bain, I know it was a back-to-back, and he shot 7 for 11 from the field, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. But he was quiet. He was pretty quiet. I didn't notice him much at all. I thought Amir Coffey did some pretty solid stuff off uh, denying the ball. Um, but it's funny, 7 for 11. That's me reading that for the first time. I didn't think he was 7 for 11. So I still think Amir did a good job. And then Terrence on Ja, it wasn't the whole game, but Ja had 19 points, 6 rebounds, and 10 assists. But how about 3 turnovers, 7 for 19 from the field, and 0 for 7 from 3 for Mr. 12? you got to love that. And Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey were both in double figures in this game. Clippers had 7 guys in double figures. James Harden shot 4 for 13 and was 2 for 9 from 3, 6 for 8 from the line. But as I said, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 13 assists, and 3 blocks. And then you had... Terrence Mann with 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. The 3 ball still eludes him. 0 for 6 from deep. But 3 for 10 from the field, that's still not very good. But he was able to get to the line. 5 for 6, get out and transition a little more. And his body language just looked better. Shooting without hesitation, besides one time. Trying to get to the rim, trying to get downhill attacking closeouts. So you liked what you saw there from T. But he's only shooting 19.5% from 3 right now, which is terrible you want to see him get that up or Amir Coffey may have to take his spot in the starting lineup because I mean he played really well 13 points including a nice dunk in the third eight points in the third for the brewmaster uh and yeah 13 points two rebounds two assists and a steal on five for six shooting and three for four from three for the brewmaster he'll take that all day he's continuing to play pretty well doing it on both ends of the floor And knocking down those three balls is really huge, especially in those double drag sets and just playing off of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. He's going to get a bunch of open shots. So there you go. By the way, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they've been playing pretty well together lately. Pretty well. And they're showing that they can still play together, but I just guess all four of the big four playing together is problematic besides maybe closing some games. But um, that lob that Harden had to Russell is beautiful. And then, Russ hit two corner threes, so a lot of it's dependent on if Russ can make his threes, then it becomes a lot easier for him and Harden to play together because Harden wants the ball in his hands. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he did. You know, he has the ball in his hands a ton, um, maybe less than on other teams, but still a lot. Russ is shooting 29% from three right now, but he's shooting 47% from the field, which if he was to end the season that way, it would be the most since 2020, so you'll take that. That's it for me, by the way, and this is the last Locked On Clippers episode of the year. I want to thank you guys so much for, you know, subscribing and listening to a whole year's worth of me talking about the Clippers. Uh, I do love my team, and I'm passionate about it. Been to 14 games this season, and I'm set to break my record. My record is 23 for a season, playoffs included. We'll be definitely breaking that, and it's just an honor to be doing this. Happy New Year. Stay safe, everybody. Let me know what you think in the comments section. You're great on the Clippers' year. And, of course, how you feel about that game. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Please subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I'm almost at 10K. And I'm going to post a video of fan reactions and game footage of the game. I got two of the buzzer beaters on tape. I think it may have gone all three on video. Um, but, yeah, check it out. And then, of course, Locked On Clippers. Please subscribe. Please hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers. Back at it again against the Miami Heat on New Year's. We'll see you there. They're playing good ball.